talks a lot about unity in the body of Christ, and it talks a lot about unity between us and God and unity between husbands and wives and the congregation at the church. And we have an enemy, Steve, and the enemy wants to cause division. And modern times, these enemies are still out there, and they want to find ways to cause division in the Bible and in the body of Christ and also in the family. Today, we're going to talk a lot about unity and what causes division, how to have our families to be in a godly manner. One of the things as we went through Colossians is Paul talked about these false teachers that came in. And we think that those doctrines are something that might not have caused division, but very much they might have been caused division within the church themselves. What's the motivation between those false doctrines? Is it truly to get people to follow God in a different way, or with some of them actually to take those people away from following God. I think many times that that's what happens is it comes into a place where people are trying to divide us and take us apart away from God. And we're looking at a way that we can remain together in Christ and live a life in Christ. The Bible actually speaks quite a bit about unity and how to be together in Christ. So if you have your Bibles, open them to the book of Colossians, chapter 3, starting in verse 18. And in this passage, it's going to talk about husbands and wives and children. It's going to talk about slaves or bosses and how to get along in the everyday world. This is the world of common people that Paul is speaking to. And this is what we have today is the same common people that Paul was speaking to in those days we have now. Steve, if you could read in the book of Colossians, starting in verse 18, and go down through chapter 4, verse 1. Wives, be subject to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. Children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not exasperate your children so that they will not lose heart. Slaves, in all things, obey those who are your masters on earth not with external service as those who merely please men, but with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily, as for the Lord rather than for man, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance. It is the Lord Christ whom you serve. For he who does wrong will receive the consequences of the wrong which he has done, and that without partiality. Masters, grant to your slaves justice and fairness, knowing that you too have a master in heaven. In this passage, God speaks to the family and he speaks to the workplace. He speaks to those in power, husbands and fathers and masters. And he also speaks to those that traditionally didn't have power, the slaves and the children and the wives. So God speaks to everyone. And I think we can find ourselves in this passage so let's go ahead and, and look at this. Of course, it opens up in verse 18 with wives be subject to your husband. And of course, Steve, that's a very sensitive word these days, and it, it gathers a lot of attention. But I think there's a biblical view here that was actually a very good thing. I just want to say one thing as we go through this, let's look at the complete sentence. Let's not stop at one part of the sentence and then turn off our hearing 
But let's look at the complete sentence of what Paul is talking about. Number one. Number two is let's look at the whole group of these verses together to appreciate what Paul is talking about. I think too many times we just turn off certain parts and then we don't want to look at the rest of it or listen to the rest of it. So as we go through here, let's look at everything together and all the sentences and all of the verses together. And that's very important because what we can't do is turn to one verse, even one phrase, and take that in isolation to all the others. Every verse is in a in a context. It's in a chapter in a book, and it's written for certain people and by certain people. So let's go through this. Of course, it does say in verse 18, wives, be subject to your husband. And as our case, we'll deal with all this in detail. I remember, Steve, years ago, there was a non-Christian that I knew that had talked about a passage similar to this over in, in Ephesians 5, talks about a very similar thing about wives and, and submitting and of course, this non-Christian friend of mine was saying, oh, yeah, the Bible talks about wives being subservient. And I said, no, maybe it used the word submit. Yeah, 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 same thing. Well, it's not the same thing. It's a very different thing. Subservience communicates something very, very different than what this is saying. It's talking about submission. Well, the first thing we have to ask here, Steve, is why would this be here and where does it fit in this overall picture of submission? Because it's, it, as you alluded to earlier, this fits into a much larger context. And I think if we understand the big picture, then a lot of things become very clear. And maybe a more modern word would be to yield, to yield to your husband. But the other part of that is, is fitting in the Lord. So as pertaining to the Lord, that's the other part of it. And I believe that's what you're about to bring out is that this is in conjunction with serving the Lord. And as we've talked about before, this, this is a Christian family. Everybody are Christians within this family. So what have we been taught to do? How are we supposed to treat fellow Christians? We're supposed to love them and we're supposed to take care of them. That to me is the first part of this Christian wife, Christian husband, treating each other as Christians first and foremost. As we said when we started the book of Colossians, the book of Ephesians was written in a very similar time period by the same person, the Apostle Paul. And he talks about some of the same subjects and same ideas over in Ephesians. There's a very similar passage over in Ephesians chapter 5. And in Ephesians 5.22 has a similar verse, wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord. But what people don't really focus on both inside the church and outside the church is, yes, Ephesians 5.22 says, wives submit to your husbands, but verse 21, just prior to that, says, submit one to another. And that's the verse that I think people skip over. So when we talk about the context, that's what we're talking about. We can't take one verse without looking at the passage. And the passage in Ephesians 5 starts out with husbands and wives submit one to another. Then it says wives submit to your husbands. And then it says husbands give your life for your wife as Christ did for the church. That's the context here is that the husband and wife is to, it's a straight command in scripture, Ephesians 5.21, submit one to another. That's the first thing is that as Christians, there's this order of submission and it starts with 
God the Father in the sense that, that Jesus, the Son, voluntarily submitted to the Father. It was a voluntary submission in a temporary state as when he was here on earth, he voluntarily submitted. As a matter of fact, the same word to submit was used in Luke 2.51 when Jesus was a child that he submitted to his parents. So even Jesus, when he was a child, submitted to his parents. We shouldn't place ourselves as being too proud to submit one to another when our Lord was the example he submitted to the Father. He submitted to his parents. We have an order of submission as well. So as Christians, we are to submit to Christ. All humans are. So Jesus submitted to the Father. We submit to Jesus. We submit one to another, Ephesians 5.21. Within that context, wives submit to your husbands. As to the Lord... So when it says there, wives submit to your husbands as to the Lord, what's the, what, how does that play out? What's the context there, Steve? Well, it's in the context of being Christians and being together in Christ. And when Paul finishes this grouping here, he talks about serving as to the Lord, because it's really the Lord is who we're serving. That's kind of the general idea throughout all of these verses is that, we're Christians, and we are a Christian family, and we should serve each other that way. I also, over in Ephesians, while Paul is not that strong here with the husbands, I would say that that's pretty strong for him to say, husbands, you're to be willing to give up your life for your wife. One of the things I always note here, Steve, is this is a command to the wife. It's not a command to the husband. And by, by that, I mean this. It, there's nowhere in here does it say, husbands, make sure your wife submits. Husbands, if, if if that's your view of how the family ought to go, you have a non-biblical view of the family. Nowhere in here does it say for husbands to make their wife submit. It's a voluntary thing from the wife. And again, he just said, Ephesians 5.21, husbands and wives submit one to another. Wives, submit to your husband as to the Lord. So the wife is to voluntarily submit to a godly husband. And I submit that if there's the husband that's asking the wife to do something that's sinful or out of line or somehow abusive, nowhere in here is it saying that a wife should stay in some sort of abusive situation and submit to either any kind of sin or abuse. The wife is to submit to a godly husband that is willing to do what Christ did for his church, which is to give his life for her. That's the biblical order. This word submit is also used in like military context for like order and function. Both armies and families work together when there's order. Neither armies nor families nor congregations work well when people are struggling for power or struggling for things. It's it's much better when it's a team and we understand the functions of a team. Think of any sport. Everybody's got their own role. That's the idea. It's when we start usurping or giving up our role to try to do the other role. That's when things don't, don't work so well. So Ephesians 5.25 says for husbands to love their wives as Christ loved and gave himself for the church. And therefore, wives submit to a godly husband 
The husband that she submits to is in turn to submit to the higher authority of Christ and love her in a way that the Bible commands to, not to be abusive. Wives are not to submit to any kind of abusive situation or sin. I like to phrase it, Steve, if you're a wife and your husband asks you to go rob a bank, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Well, I would say that if your husband asks you to rob a bank, he's not a godly husband for sure. <laughs> and, and, but there is a lot of abuse. I mean, we, we hear about these things. Years ago, it was all behind closed doors and, and it never got told. Well, nowadays we're finding out there's a lot more, a lot more abusive husbands than we would like to admit. Again, wives, if you're in some sort of abusive situation, th that is not what this say is to stay there and take that. You, you need to get out of that. Call the call the authorities, things like that. That those things need to stop. But in a Christian family, the husband and wife submit one to another, and it's everything to be done decently and in order, the Bible talks about, and that's what it's about. So here's a, a next question, Steve. What is it about this submission thing that the world has such a problem with? Why does the world have such an issue with the idea of submission one to another. I mean, as Christians, we're to submit to Christ. We're supposed to submit voluntarily under our pastor and our church leaders. The husband and wife have a submission role. Why is it we struggle with that so much? It's because they all want to be individuals and they want, don't want to be held responsible for the things that they do from somebody else. They all want to have their own relative truth and they don't want to have a standard to live by, and they don't want to submit to God is the main thing. They want to be their own self, and it's a very selfish way of living. I'm going to do the things that are going to please me. What was it that it said over in Judges? They all did what was right to God? No, they all did what was right in their own eyes. And I believe that's the, the general way that the world operates. They want to do things on their own, they want to have their own morality that they come up with, and they want to look down the nose at other people borrowing from God's morality, but they don't want to submit to God. They don't want to be held responsible. They then carry that over into worldly situations. And they say, therefore, you need to live your own life. You need to go out and do your own things. You need to live for yourself. And with that, you break up the family situation. You break up many type of relationships. And it's everybody out for their own survival and their own way of life and what's ever going to work out best for them. That means I don't submit to anybody. And I think it's a pride thing, don't you think, that, that I'm, I'm so prideful that I, I don't want to submit to God. I don't want to submit to the Lord. I don't want to submit to the church authorities. I think there's a pride thing going on there. I think that even carries through. I, I think, Steve, that one of the reasons why God says here for the wives to submit to the husband is because of the weakness in the man. It's the weakness in the male personality. I think there's things about the male personality that is kind of a, a, a way that it, it won't work well if the wife is challenging the husband. Talk about marriages that are dysfunctional. It's, it's when the wives start challenging the husband and the husband feels demeaned. There's another place in the New Testament that says wives respect 
your husband. The husband needs to feel like he's respect. And I think it's, you can call it what you will, but it's a weakness in the male personality that kind of needs this, don't you think? And I also think the other side of that is in verse nine, when it says, husband, love your wives and don't be embittered against them. Don't provoke them. The same thing, the wives need that love. If you're a husband that never gives your wife love, that never gives them flowers on their birthday or flowers on Valentine's Day or some other, or just flowers all in general, treat them in loving fashion, then you're not giving them what they also need to have a healthy marriage. So to me, it's not surprising that you have both of these areas in verses 18 and 19 that talk about wives and husbands and how they function together. I think that you hit a very good point there. Both of these attitudes, the wife towards the husband and the husband towards the wife, that makes for a very, very good combination and a very, very good marriage, working together, loving each other in that marriage. Note what it says here again in verse 18. Wives, be subject to your husband. What it does not say is all women be subject to all men. It's not saying that. It doesn't mean that. It means in the context of a marriage, then the wives need to be subject to their own husbands. And one of the reasons for that is because the marriage is a picture of salvation. The church is called the bride of Christ. The the church is to voluntarily submit to the head, which is Christ. The human marriage is a picture of that. The, the, our relationship with God is reflected in the marriage relationship. I think that you also hit another good point there. So if you have men that are coming to women and saying, I'm a man, and the scripture says you need to submit to me. That's not what scripture is saying. Those men are not being godly men, number one. Number two is your husband should go to that man and say, this is my wife, and you're not going to treat my wife that way. So you hit a great point here. This is within a husband and a wife within a marriage. It's not a blanket statement regarding men and women in general. One criticism I've heard, Steve, is that these things were written thousands of years ago in a different country, in a different context. And here we are. We're, we're sophisticated today and we're better than this. And we need to realize that this was written in a cultural context that we can update to now. So is it true that people have changed in the thousands of years since this was written, or are we now beyond this, or was this something only for the ancient world, or is it applicable for today? Well, we brought out many times that we're still human beings, just like there are human beings then. As human beings, no, we haven't changed. And I think that these are things and these are emotions that are timeless. And these are principles that are given to us by Paul in order to help us in the family. He's talking about children here. He's talking about fathers. So this is a family unit. This whole section is talking about the family in general. It's not just individual specific people, but it's the family. That's what Paul is addressing here. Before we leave this, I want to just mention a few names of women because there's this accusation that the Bible is against women, somehow misogynistic, and it's just not true. Several women, many women, are held in very high esteem in the Bible. In the Old Testament, Deborah 
was one of the judges of Israel. It was the top job, if you will, in, in Israel back in the book of Judges. In the New Testament, Priscilla and Aquila were a husband and wife team that were part of Paul's ministry team. And often the woman is mentioned first whenever they get mentioned oftentimes. Romans mentions Phoebe. In fact, he mentions a, a handful of women in, in Romans chapter 16 when he's saying, greet these people. And it appears that he wrote his most important book, the book of Romans, and gave it to Phoebe to carry to Rome. He put his most valuable work, which he knew was his most valuable work, in the hands of a woman with the responsibility of delivering it to the church there. In Philippians, Euodia and Syntyche were listed along with the men in the ministry team. Jesus treated several women with high respect. And so we could go on and on like this, but the Bible treats women with a high degree of respect. Yeah, and Aquila and Priscilla, Aquila being the husband, the Priscilla being the wife. They had a home church where they preached the gospel. And whenever a person by the name of Apollos was not quite straight with what the gospel was, they pulled Apollos aside and gave him the spiritual guidance in order to get him on the right track. In Acts, it very specifically says it was both Aquila and Priscilla that did that. You look at uh, Rahab, she's spoken of highly because she hid the spies. You look at Ruth, she's spoken of very highly by serving Naomi, her mother-in-law, and going back. Women are talked about in a very honorable way throughout Scripture, and I'm glad that you brought that out, Glenn. Moving on, verse 20, we see here it says, Children should obey their parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. So one of the questions, or at least to note here, Steve, is note the order. It says, children, obey your parents, not the other way around. And sometimes we, we get this confused and we have to say it. Somebody's got to be the parent because if you've got a child, we don't need the parents being the child. And I've seen this too many times. The parents just will not take authority. Sometimes the way I like to describe it is, Steve, there, there were times when my children were small, I would get down on the floor and play with them with the baby toys. But eventually, somebody's got to put the toys down and get up and be the parent. It's one thing to get along with your child, but eventually somebody has to be the mature one in the room and say, child, you're going to obey me now. And I think this is important, don't you think? And the other thing it notes there is parents. That's plural. Both the mother and the father are included in this. They're equal. Equal parenting needs to take place, and each of the parents need to support each other as they parent the children. The instruction here is be obedient to your parents in all things. And another thing to mention again, what is this? This is a Christian family. It's a Christian structure. Let's don't lose sight of that. What happens to children when the parents view the child as a friend and they, the parent never really teaches the child to obey an authority figure? What happens to that child when they grow up? Many times I think they end up with a rebellious spirit and they don't want to conform to other areas of their life as they grow up. 
And, and we, we see this in our culture. We, we see a generation ago where parents were taught to treat children very, very differently than they should. Now we have a generation of children that has grown up with no respect for authority. And eventually society suffers when you have many people saying, I can go do what I want. I don't have to obey the laws. I should be able to go do whatever I want, whenever I want. Well, society can't allow that. And eventually an authority figure has to come along and say, you're going to obey the law. And when somebody rebels against that, then we have mass chaos, rioting, increasing crime. Parents, you need to teach your children to obey authority. Now, it, it doesn't have to be some sort of punishment necessarily, but they need to learn how to obey authority. Because if they don't, then how are they going to learn to obey the law when they grow up? Now, the same thing applies here is what you mentioned earlier about the husband and the wife. If the parent is asking the child to do something that is immoral or sinful, then the child is not to obey them. And we want to look at Scripture as a whole. What was it that Jesus said that if anybody does harm to a children, it would be great, better for them to have had a millstone or an anchor tied around their neck and thrown into the sea? For people that go and take advantage of children and do immoral things to children, especially if they're claiming to be Christians, you need to be aware that they that you're treading on on dangerous, dangerous ground, and that there's going to be punishment for that. And you need to understand that that is not something that you do. It has looked very bad in Scripture to harm children. Note again here, verse 20, children, be obedient to your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Be obedient to your parents. By the time we get over to the Ten Commandments, what does it say? Honor your mother and father. There's a point where the relationship changes, and by the time the child is grown, a grown child should not obey anymore, but honor. We need to do what is honoring to the mother and father. So we're right in the midst of this teaching of this relationship, and our time's at a spot where we probably should pause. We've talked to husbands and wives and children, but next we're going to deal with fathers, and we'll get to that next time. And it is all about how to get along in the Lord. We'll learn more of that next time as we continue to reason through the Bible. <laughs> 